white summer sweater, pudgy face, curly hair, Nissan Langley. That boy's Sutomu Miyazaki. If you wanna make a move, then you better come at It's just ability to raise in that we're so fair Living and dying and the sorrows that are true Secrets to a good life, it's no way when you're through Black or white shoes, black and Cadillac Chris loves hitting his goddamn vape right when the people are talking because I certainly can't cut him out because then it'll sound weird because of the background noise in his recording. So Listen, vape away, Chris. Vape you get away. to be Claire Danes if this is my so-called life, okay, with the statement like that. I mean, that that is the, I mean, that's, was that ever a question? Was I not going to be Claire Danes at some point? <laughs> Calm your lack of tits, Claire, okay. Ooh, Hakuna man, Claire Dane tits. Claire Dane tits in Romeo and Juliet. That movie was terrible. Her tits. What tits? They don't exist. What are you talking about, man? They're nice. I mean, they okay, don't they, exist. I mean, I mean, I haven't seen it since I was 16 or whatever, and I, th- I guess she wasn't much older than that at the time. Claire Danes was hot back then, buddy. I haven't she seen was, her in 20 years. She was years, super but, cute for a white girl. Mm, and now they're was. yelling at the dog to shut up after letting it bark for 30 minutes before we started recording. Now they're yelling at it. Uh-huh. Robert is having some neighbor woes. Yeah, or he's having, he's having some, some whoa, neighbors. Yeah. Ugh. Like I said earlier, he I am not has a state farm. A drunk guy. He has a drunk guy that is singing very loudly. Uh, sands the music, and now a a pup is being a pup. But how dare he do that while Robert is trying to do something? Oh my asshole dog, dog is what it is. I minded it earlier, but now I kind of get used to the dog barking. It's the drunk lady yelling at the dog now that's kind of irritating me. Why don't you go yell at your neighbors and be like, sober up, you fucking hicks? Uh, I have to go put on my robe and make Learn sure it's open. Your you know, it's just a lot of work. <laughs> that's right. You get your robe and nothing else. And, yep. That's a lot yeah. of work. And there's you know. no breeze today. And, oh man, I hear you. I hear you. So, uh,. You know, I, I re-listened to uh, the last episode uh, a little earlier, and I, I found something really funny in our little opening banter bit, and that was that I was bragging about how, oh, this is going to be different. This episode here, nothing's going to happen bad, uh-huh. and it's going to be dun, completely dun. normal. And then, you know, it was weird, so we went weird anyway with it, but this episode for sure is gonna go a-okay mm-hmm. right guys mm-hmm. sure thumbs up it's always fun. Virtual your enthusiasm is not only infectious it is annoying how enthusiastic you guys get i'm gonna it's give like, you three hard nipples on that one uh i got give a three-quarter uh, chub at this moment me, in time why why what is with you guys in the number three Eh, it's a good, it's a nice is round that number. some weird is that some weird private Facebook uh, group that I'm not uh, aware of Robert nope not that I'm saying oh Robert Robert is a freak on Facebook so after that little song I would like to finally actually tell you guys that uh, 
the guest that we talked about uh, two, three weeks ago, whatever, we actually uh, we got him. Uh, he's so we're gonna yeah next next week. Indeed. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have a author of a book, and it's a it's a big and it's a it's a chunky old book. Like you could really crack somebody with one of these, and it would probably do a little damage. So I thank him for that. I keep it in my car under my under my seat, just in case a carjacker comes up. So, James T. Abbott, beat him with knowledge. which is very close to James T. Kirk, which is quite the coincidence because James T. Abbott's book is called The Outsider's Guide to UFOs. And Outsider. I've, I've actually uh, been reading it. I started reading it because it was kind of like homework. I was like, you know, I like this stuff, but... You know, I kind of just have to read it, but then now I've been like trying to find time to read it. Like, uh, like I'll go to the bathroom for a while just so I can read read the book without anybody bothering me. Um, Severely cutting into your so masturbation it's it's time. good. I you know, and it takes me longer than four minutes to read this book, so mm-hmm. that's gonna be days off my life eventually. I'm sure. Indeed. So it's uh, an indeed kind he. Of nice. He is not only the actual author of an actual book that's been published and uh, whose actual PR person contacted me to have him on our show. He's also uh, a gentleman from uh, the em- uh, England. He's from England. He's from uh, the, the, the pond, uh, that, uh, the across the pond. What's a, what's a cutesy name for England, guys? Come on, help me out here. Um... I think across the pond is about as cute as it gets. Colonizer. Is it? Ooh, our oppressors. Oh, England. see? You heard dun, it? Dun, dun. I did, man. That's it. Yeah. They're fucking fighting England out there, apparently. The recording or definitely heard it. <laughs> independence. Of course it did. I heard it over here. Um, Explosions. So, this is... Uh, ooh, another one. It's getting mm-hmm. close to the 4th of July here, people. So, Chris is in the middle of fucking nowhere, nowhere... Uh, say fail. again where you where you're at. Oh, I'm in uh, Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana, and Home as you of, said, uh, yeah, bunch of interesting, terrible things and uh, weird people, like the Jackson Five. Yeah, like the Jackson Five, and uh, one of my favorite rappers, Freddie Gibbs, actually is from Gary, as well. He's all right, I guess. He's pretty damn good. Indiana in general is pretty sweet, but. This guy here is from England, and uh, he is hopefully this is my fingers are crossed. I'm hoping he can be the first person on our show to do like an actual proper British accent, uh, <laughs> right? Because we can't do it for shit. So if no. he comes on and he sounds weird at all, I'll know this is a scam set up by the government to infiltrate our stupid show for idiots. Oh man, if that's the case. May their gods help them. So, uh, yeah, uh, fuck. Tune in, I guess. Do you, do you tune in or uh, d- download and listen or, um, or you know, it don't. I'm not your fucking father. I don't. I'm not. I'm not gonna tell you what to do. Um, <laughs> I'm that baby, guy, baby. Uh, <laughs> He was on uh, uh, coast to coast uh, about a month ago now, uh, and if you want to. Check it out. Uh, tough shit, unless you belong to the Coast to Coast uh, Give Them Money Insiders. program. Because uh, 
because uh, his uh, episode is not one of the free ones. So no. uh, that means that he had some shit worth saying because if it were one of the free ones, then the man would totally know too. Man, they, like, he did three parts, like three two-hour parts or some shit like that um, in mm-hmm. that interview. It was uh, quite beefy. <clears throat> and, I mean, we only get him for, like, an hour and a half or whatever. Kind of feel gypped a bit, you know? Yeah, but I can't wait to talk to him. We'll Just see. reading some of his book, he's he's got a great wit and humor sense to him. Just comes across in his writing, so I'd imagine it's going to be a great the interview. The best thing, of, yeah, and the best thing about his book, uh, which why it's called The Outsider's Guide to UFOs is because uh, he is uh, neither a uh, believer nor a denier. He is just an avid researcher. So he's put together this book that's just full, full, full of UFO uh, experiences, stories, uh, sightings, everything like that. And he basically leaves it up to you to make your own informed now because you've been informed by all his hard work and research. Uh, you can make up your own mind about it. And I think that's the coolest thing about it. And we are going to have uh, a lot of cool stuff to talk to him about. So, yeah. Uh, if any of you would like to maybe suggest questions for this man, uh, it, you can cheat this one time and you can actually email us at snhnsnpod at gmail.com or see no hear no speak no pod at gmail.com. Just, just tell yourself, I'm emailing a question to James T. Abbott, not to Jason, Chris, or Robert. And then, you know what? We won't even count it as an email to us. It's okay. Or message just, us on you know, Facebook, if you ask post us, on Facebook. Do whatever yeah. you feel like. Call Chris. Real, like, show up at my game. house at 2 in the morning if you want. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Um, You're safe with us. We'll take care of you. One more, one more real quick uh, announcement. Uh, of some sort, uh, and Chris and Rob uh, already know about this and have for a while. I think uh, the night that we did the uh, the fetus uh, ghost baby episode, matter of fact, is uh, is the night that I found out that uh, my 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 wonderful, uh, beautiful girlfriend Melissa was uh, pregnant. So was uh, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was super fucking awkward editing that <laughs> that episode with her in the room after she had just taken a pregnancy test. Um, There's going to be a baby rainbow. It all worked out. <laughs> and I think the most important part about uh, about the fact that I'm, I'm going to have a baby, like, I, well, I don't know what it is yet, uh, so I, when I find out next month, I'll tell you guys. But I think the most important thing to take away from this is that I have for sure had sex at least once in my <laughs> at life. At least once. <laughs> For certain. Well, unless you chick a toe uh, her, I mean, just saying. Nope, nope. Oof. We did it the old-fashioned way. That's right, with handlebar mustaches on. <laughs> oh, mustache ride. I do like a good mustache ride. And on the note of the riding of the mustache, welcome to another episode that will be a little, uh, little rough, but... We get to make fun of people, and that's what's important of see no, hear no, speak no. You know, that's one of our favorite things to do with uh, when we talk about the UFOs, conspiracies, people that 
are just waiting to be made fun of. Jason hitting a vape while I'm talking and murders. And me. I can cut myself out. Payback of the bitch. Yeah. <sighs> Alright, so let's get into this terribleness. Okay, so uh, we the are horror, going to. The uh, horror. We're going to jump in uh, where we left off. Um, you know, last week when we stopped, uh, our intrepid psychopathic child murdering super geek, I think it'd be fair to call him that, right, guys? Yes. Sure. I, I've always been a fan of the word intrepid. We can use that for him. Indeed. The year was 1988. The biggest band mm. of the day was... Uh, Miley Crew. Frankie Does Hollywood. I was going to say Ooh, Millie Vanilli. Songs like, like Relax and uh, probably still just Relax. Which is about relaxing the butthole for gay sex, if you guys did not know that. <laughs> Robert's laughing. I just told you guys an actual fact. No, I, I fully believe it. That's why I'm I'm not finding it. Uh, Relax. You know. Don't do that. Yeah. So, uh, the year was 1988. The day was August the 22nd. When Tsutomu, um, who is the star of this play, just because he's the star does not mean he's the hero. Um, When he picked up his first victim, who was four-year-old Mari Kono, with the classic little girl-child pickup line of, Would you like to go somewhere where it's cool? Awful. He then absconded with young Mari uh, about an hour and a half away to a forest in the mountains for a bit of privacy. Uh, concluding his road trip with her strangulation murder, followed by a bit of post-mortem naughty bits touching, uh, clothing collection, and simply walking back to his Nissan Langley without a care, like a hero in an action movie that won't give an explosion the satisfaction of so much as a glance. Ooh, that Langley too, man. I'm just picturing mm. him not drifting <clears throat> anywhere. And That's right. Oh, being... but, but, but the walk up to it where he, like, flips down his sunglasses and he's got that like that stride where he's just kind of swinging his arms but he's not making a big deal of it and he's just he, you know there's people when you, you see him and you're like the only thing in that guy's head right now is how fucking cool do I look right now <laughs> complete nerd turd oh boy they are blasting it off sorry about that kids hey. it is rather loud that right. is what uh, your neighbors say every time you're home Chris that's right. Damn right. Boy, they're they really do. blasting it off. It is really loud. But that's they're okay. You know, they're going to get us some of that it. freedom on that 4th of July, so we're going to blow some stuff up. That's right. She's wearing well, protective like, eyewear. Like they said on uh, Squidbillies, let's. Um, actually, I don't know if it was Squidbillies. God damn it. I fucking I love that remember. show. That's a good show. But let's celebrate the birth of our nation by blowing up a small chunk of it. Yeah. yeah, why not? So, uh, parents in uh, Marikano's uh, little village quickly learned of her disappearance uh, because police cruisers made the rounds of the neighborhoods, pleading with parents over their loudspeakers to keep their children in sight at all times. Which, if your child is four years old, that should have already been a priority. Yeah. You would think. 50,000. 
50,000 uh, posters with her image were printed and hung in train stations and bus stops and out stops and stations and farm stations and outhouses and uh, bus stops and train stations. I tried to do a, a fugitive thing there. Um, it did, Every it didn't outhouse, outbuilding, <clears throat> in hen house. Hen house, that's the one I, god damn it. Rob, where were you when I needed you? <laughs> Playing with my third nipple right here. That's what I do. Ew. That's the super hairy one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tied in the uh, brush. The police then canvassed the area uh, surrounding her house, questioning the neighbors. Uh, There were two boys and a housewife that had said they had seen Mari with a strange man. They described a pudgy man in his late 30s with curly hair. What? So... So this is where, uh, like at the end of my little retelling uh, last week, when I said that he was uh, guilty of the heinous crime of uh, prank calling, that wasn't just me being a terrible person. I mean, it halfway was, but the Kanos begin to receive strange telephone calls that would ring, and if left unanswered, would do so for about 20 minutes. Uh, When they would answer, the person on the other line would simply hang up. This was <laughs> Satomu uh, fucking with the family. That was back before Star 69. So jackass. Yeah, but it, what's crazy is, well, I mean, I was about to say, I guess, how did he get their phone numbers and shit? And, uh, but, I mean, Well, we used to books, have these, everybody. I was about to say, we used to have these books where people would actually look into when they needed a number. It's weird. Yeah, when you had a landline, you know, when, uh, when you could... I don't know when you could just leave your house and not talk to anybody, or just like take the phone off the ringer and just let it sit there. That's how you block people back. Oh in the man, day. when's the last time you didn't have your cell phone and you weren't like, "Oh fuck, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do?" Yeah, yeah. There are there are now new anxiety disorders strictly based around that. <laughs> people super, freak the super fuck out when they not, don't have their phones. Not surprising in the least. Yeah. Um, but so uh, after, you know, four one one still exists. Um, and uh, now they're phone sex operators because they got nothing better to fucking do. You know what? We used to try to use the uh, the, and this is terrible. I was a teenager. Like, don't don't hate me or nothing. But we used to call. You absolutely uh, the, were a uh, terrible teenager. The the suicide prevention hotline, and uh, and and start phone sex conversations with them. Oh, <laughs> they awesome. did not like it. Not in the least. They yelled at us quite a bit. Um, After four weeks, they still hadn't found a body, and there was no word of the man from the kidnapper whatsoever. Uh, So in September, the kindergarten that Marikano would have attended started without her, which is both sad but, I guess, necessary, because you don't want all Mm -hmm. those other kids. Like Anyway, eventually the police spent uh, 2,930 man days interviewing people around the Mari home but nothing came of their efforts not even police dogs could pick up the girl's scent so the two boys from the canvas what 2930 man days yeah so like instead of man hours man days so like 24 hours times 2930 that's how much time they spent just interviewing people like that's how seriously they took this as a disappearance well, I guess that's better than was that, wow. 2,000 Mandingos. 
<laughs> wow, Rob. Wow. That I, I don't is even know nasty. If I, I don't even know if I can cut that out. <laughs> you know what your, your, your punishment is that that stays in. <laughs> oh. so, I can't do them. Wow. The, the two boys. Son of a bitch. The two boys from the canvas said that they had seen Mari walking behind a man uh, toward the nearby Aruna River, and the newspaper, uh, a shy shimbun, which is the word shimbun, is the hardest fucking thing in the world for me to say. My big stupid fat tongue and weird mouth just—it just wants to. Anyway, they interviewed you the thirty-year-old housewife. Say shimbun, huh? I do. Like. Uh, who had spotted Mari with a stranger? And apart from the age approximation given, the description was sufficiently accurate. They described a man in his late 30s, about 170 centimeters tall. I didn't do any uh, conversion, like distance or height, any conversion. So if you want to know what that is, uh, do it yourself. A round face and was pudgy, which I think pudgy is uh, too cute a name for his his weight problem. I think, uh, I think fucking fat fuck maybe would have been uh, a better descriptor than pudgy for this man. Was um, he really? No, he wasn't, but fuck him. You know what I mean? He was just pudgy. Sure. Um, what, what's the cutesy, that cutesy word for, like, for... That uh, is 5.6. Almost 5.7 inches. 5 feet 7 inches. Inches? 5 feet okay, 7 Okay, I was about inches. to say, wow, this, he was smaller <laughs> than I thought he was. Um, what, is, what's, what is... Husky. Husky. See, uh, they could have said husky... And that's like a fuck you to the pudgy kid. Is calling a husky because he knows what that means. Big you know, boned. she ain't fat, bruh. She just a little thick. <laughs> Sorry. So he was pudgy with curly hair and was sporting white slacks and a white summer sweater. Now here's one hmm, spot where I did, where I did add a little in parentheses question from myself, which is, what the fuck is a summer sweater? Um, I have a summer uh, sweater all the time, but that's just the hair on my body. No, yeah, no, you're just gross. This guy went and bought a sweater specifically to wear in the summertime. Is that one of those without yeah, the really. arms, or is mm. just like the vest sweater? Well, no, that's, vest? that's a sweater vest. Mm. Anyway, I don't think we'll ever get it's to the bottom conundrum. of that. Uh, there was. Uh, there was only one other hopeful clue. A few days after she disappeared, um, Yuki Kano, who is Mari's mother, received a postcard after she expressed hope in a news story that her daughter would still be alive. Um, the postcard read, There are devils about. But the police dismissed this postcard um, as an act of a prank. And you know what, though? Is I bet that the other side of the, uh, the postcard, like the picture part and stuff, was... Uh, like a, a wish you were here on a picture of a Nissan Langley, like I think that would have been. Uh, I think that would have been pretty good. Fucking rotten, know. dude. That'd have been pretty, pretty good. Is what I'm oh saying. my goodness! Um, so some what random we, mom what are we gonna later. Do with you? So some random mom later recalls uh, from the time Mari disappeared until Miyazaki was caught. Parents led their children to kindergarten every day. I pause here to say. I pause here to, to not pause. Um, you know what? No. Um, you know, Zach Morris, time out. Time out. Uh, Chris, Zach Rob, Morris, right? Yes. 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 So I want to tell all the parents out there, um, 
that they should always bring their kindergartners to school. Is that something that I should have to say to the people out there? Like, am I wasting my breath? Are they going to not do it anyway just because I said it? Or, I mean... Well, nowadays they would, but back then, I mean, who didn't walk to school back in the day? Oh, back in the 80s? Back in the 80s when they had uh, people like Satomu Miyazaki walking around, taking them and and sexing up their dead bodies? Like fucking Steven Stainer just hanging out, walking around. Mm Mm-hmm. Get kidnapped okay, for seven time in. years type shit. Time in, and I chose not to tell people. So No, I just sent that picture it. to you guys. I googled summer sweater, and it popped up nothing but women's clothes. And it looks like a wide Ooh. hoop crochet kind of deal, not like a thick... I was going to say, oh, it looks like something like my great aunt Nitsy made, like, like crocheting. Like some, yeah, like something that uh, wouldn't necessarily, like, insulate... Just, yeah, Correct. I get it. Okay, yeah, so he but was, it was wearing all women. a breezy white summer sweater. Because Made for women. Of course he was. With so, his pudgy, pudgy six ass. weeks after Mari's disappearance, Miyazaki strikes again. He was driving through Hano, which is also in Saitama, uh, on October 3rd, 1988. He sees Masami Yoshizawa, who was a seven year old <laughs> first grader. She was walking alone along the roadside. Because why wouldn't she be? He lured her into his car, then drove to the hills above Comine Pass, which is in the same approximate area of his first murder, and he strangled her to death. He then stripped her as quickly as he could before rigor mortis set in and sexually abused her. When her body shuddered involuntarily, Miyazaki freaked out and ran back to his car and drove off, just leaving her remains less than 100 meters from where the bones of Marikano was. After she was reported missing that night, Local search parties fanned out across the area, and soon Masami's face was printed on hundreds of posters issued by the police, who subsequently spent over 2,300 man days interviewing local residents. Again, no no clues to the girl's whereabouts were found. Uh, Masami's home is only 13 kilometers from Mari's. The police were suspicious and hopefully just smart enough to maybe compare the two cases, but had neither leads nor bodies. Uh, so Masami as well was only declared a missing person but killing Masami had really upset Miyazaki for some reason like I don't know if it was the actual murder of her or the fact that her body involuntarily shuddered while he was having sex with it while it was dead Um, but I mean he would get over it and in true micropenis fashion he would kill again before 1988 was over you know those micropenis and their 1988s did you just sigh yeah. because I'm making fun of micropenis people again, Chris? No, 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 not at all. Uh, um, okay, good. <laughs> no, it's uh, I'm just <laughs> trying to put myself into the into the mind state of at least partial depravity enough to to I, to imagine I don't think that's what possible with this guy. No, it's really not. It's really not. I, I'm just trying to imagine like really what what. If not actually murdering and having sex with a dead body was enough to fucking disturb you, like, what is it about other things that imprint themselves? Like, how does the brain choose what to imprint, you know, on you and what to really stick with you and stuff like that? Because you would think that certain things you know, would over others. I, I think that's really a question that you need to be asking your priest. So. <sighs> Or at least a rabbi. The murder of a four-year-old girl. 
son of a bitch, <laughs> or a rabbi. Um, ask your uh, ask your priest's rabbi. Uh, the murder of a four-year-old girl from Kawago on December 12th wouldn't exactly go according to his live fast, make no plans plan. Although, First off, I did just have time, a thought, Jason. Yeah, a priest would actually be the that best person to talk to surprising. about molesting four-year-old girls. Especially Catholic priests. No, uh, four-year-old boys, yes. Uh, four-year-old girls, no. Sorry. Uh, you would have to find the maybe ice cream man or maybe like a, ooh, ooh, a gymnastics coach. Go ask one of them. Ooh. <laughs> that sounds promising. So this time, uh, for this murder, he uh, would nearly be caught. Second, uh, the young girl's body would be discovered shortly after the act setting off a hunt for a depraved child murderer that would thankfully compel police to reassess the disappearances of Mari and Masami and confirm that, uh, you know, Saitama's residence, uh, worst fear, had kind of come true that there was a serial child killer on the loose. Um, this little girl's name was Erika Namba. Uh, she was returning from a friend's house when Miyazaki lured her into a sedan. She was crying by the time he pulled into the parking lot area at the Youth Nature House in Naguri. He told Erica to undress in the back seat, then began to photograph her. The strobe flashing in the dark, freaking her right the fuck out. So, this time, a car drives by and its headlights light up Miyazaki's face. Erica just starts sobbing uncontrollably again. So Miyazaki grabbed her by the throat and straddled her, holding her kicking body down with his weight as he strangled her. By 7 p.m., his third victim was dead. Miyazaki carefully wrapped the body in a sheet and put it in the trunk. Then he disposed of her clothes in the woods behind the parking area and drove off. Miyazaki's mind clearly wasn't on the road. As he turned a corner, one of the Langley's front wheels slipped into the gutter and got stuck. Oh, shit. So... He switched on the hazard lights, and then he walked into the darkened woods with the uh, sheet-wrapped little girl in his arms. After setting her down who knows where, he returned to where he'd left the car, carrying the crumpled sheet in his arms. Uh, And he found two men (laughs) inspecting the stuck tire of the Langley. So he casually opens the trunk, and he puts the sheet away. He explains his problem to the two guys, who then helped him lift the car out of the rut, and then Miyazaki got in, and without so much as a thanks, fuckers, just speeds away. Wow. The Japanese are very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's really all we can take away from from that experience, is that Yeah, they're they're super courteous people. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say courteous. I would say helpful. But if they were courteous people, he would have at least said, Arigato. Ah, uh, true. Yeah, you got a point. Do you have a so, point? So, I know this is going to be shocking to everyone uh, within earshot, but Miyazaki uh, had never really shown much concern for life. Um, he, I, okay, quote, I've killed cats, he later said casually. Threw one in the river, did another in with boiling water. He had also strangled his own dog to death with a strand of wire, a la Bella Kiss. Ah, nice. He had become utterly lost inside the obscure VHS-constructed existence he had made for himself that he saw these children as no more than disposable one-act characters whose lives had no meaning or consequence whatsoever. 
these were just walk-on characters that you know like uh in, in like the big anime action sequence the the people in town that get crushed under the big boulder that you're like mm-hmm. ah, whatever that was cool looking that's how he sees humanity today or not today but back then because you can't see this time the kagoi oh wait kawago <laughs> sorry these names they're going together um police immediately connected Eric Kanamba's disappearance with that of Marikano and Masami Yoshizawa. And the Saitama Prefectural Office set up a special operations center to solve the three missing persons cases. The next day, a worker at Nagiri Youth Nature House found some of Erica's clothes, and hundreds of police began combing the area. Meanwhile, uh, the PTA at Erica's kindergarten pasted handbills around the apartment complex where she lived. Like, that's what is really cool reading and doing all the research about this is that even though it didn't mean shit and it didn't accomplish shit like the second these little girls were gone everybody was on the on point just what can I do let's find her you know right I'm still stuck on these two guys I mean if I pull over because someone needs some help or something and all of a sudden I see a guy walking out of the woods with a sheet yeah, I'm gonna have some questions. Well, maybe for him. he had to take a shit. He had to take a shit. His car was stuck. He couldn't get to a bathroom. He used the sheet to wipe. Yeah, but well, why would he bring it back with him then? I, I would have some questions. Cause, cause it's like his baby blanket or something, man. I don't know. Shit, you can wash a shitty sheet. <laughs> you can. <laughs> Poopy sheets are washable. So they make them that uh, way on purpose. The police found Erica's corpse the next day. Its hands and feet bound with nylon cord. The murder scene was 50 kilometers from our own home. A journey of about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. Uh, then 500 riot police explored the woods for more clues but found nothing. The two men who had helped Miyazaki with his car on the night of the murder came forward to identify it. They correctly recalled that the car had uh, Hachioji plates but misidentified the model as a Toyota Corolla 2, which was an error the police realized only after they had checked out more than 6,000 fucking Corolla 2s. This misidentification deprived investigators of what could have been their strongest lead. Wow. So seen in light of the recovery of Eric's body, uh, the disappearances of Mari and Masami uh, pointed now strongly toward a more serious crime. All the girls were from Saitama, all lived within 30 kilometers of each other, um, and as a police journalist goes on to say, as soon as they found the body of the third girl, they began to treat it as a serial murder case. So, just like I said earlier, it took them well, they really were not. One, one body, one body to finally um, start treating it as something more serious than oh, these girls might be hiding out for a while or some shit, you know? <clears throat> right, right. Yeah, they really, um, they, they really went in on this. They yeah. did what it was... Everything in their uh, power, it seems, which is fairly rare, it seems, you know, with some of these stories, how, like, they just don't take things seriously or, you know, miscommunication right. or non-communications and things right, like, like that. Like, oh, it couldn't be, it couldn't possibly be that, you know? Right. Like, uh, well, I mean, how, in what world could it possibly be that there's some kind of serial killer after our children? <laughs> I you think, mean, you think people actually like to have sex with little kids? 
What? Uh, I can't. I can't imagine why. Especially when our pornography is so good at hiding genitals. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, it's <that's> awful. <laughs> it's so bad, <sighs> man. It's so. It really... So so bad. It's so bad. Why? It's I mean, so, why so does it bad. have to be so bad, though? So, yeah. uh, now here's here's something else uh, fun, is that police had found that the families had something else in common. The Kanos weren't the only ones receiving strange phone calls. Once again, these calls would ring for up to 20 minutes, if not answered, and would promptly disconnect if they were. Huh. And, less than a week after his daughter's murder, uh, Sinichi Namba, just like the Kanos, received a postcard. It was formed from kanji letters... Uh, characters, sorry, cut from magazines and newspapers, then photocopied and enlarged to conceal their origin. It read Erica cold, cough throat, rest death So, after this, after this, Miyazaki wouldn't kill again until the following summer, but he kept himself busy. Um, at about 6 a.m. on his way to work on February 6th, uh, Shiji Okano, uh, who was Mari's father, found a box on his doorstep and called the police. Along with ashes, dirt, fragments of charred bones, and ten baby teeth, it also contained photos of a child's shorts, underwear, and sandals, and a single sheet of copier paper with five words on it. Mari, bones, cremated, investigate, and prove. Miyazaki had returned to the death site as he had done several times and removed the remains to fill the box. The ten small teeth found among the ashes were turned over to the legal division of the Tokyo Dental University uh, for examination, where Dr. Kazuo Suzuki concluded that the teeth probably didn't belong to Mari. But after a police press conference about these findings, um, Suzuki changed his mind, much to the agony of the Kano family because they were like oh they're not our daughters so she could still possibly be a lot but no his examination nah. was mistaken he said the remains uh, might be Mars after all then I, uh, a police forensic expert gave his verdict on the 220 grams of bone fragments uh, they were not only human they were absolutely Mari Kano's now Miyazaki it. Miyazaki uh, Sitomu, even uh, he avidly followed news reports about this because he, it, he I, 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 cut, because that's what these fuckers do, right? Um, so following yeah, the reports, he had, he had only heard the original verdict that the teeth weren't Mari's and immediately sat down to write. And on February 11th, a three-page letter arrived at the Kano home. The society desk of the Ashai Shimbun also received a copy along with a Polaroid type photo of Mari. The letter was entitled Crime Confession and signed Yuko Imada which is a pun on Now I'll Tell. So this is a quote. I put the cardboard box with Mari's remains in it in front of her home. I did everything from the start of the Mari incident to the finish. I saw the police press conference where they said the remains were not Mari's. On camera, her mother said the report gave her new hope that Mari might still be alive. I knew then that I had to write this confession so Mari's mother would not continue to hope in vain. 
I say again, the remains are Mari's. Damn, that's fucked up. <sighs> so this what confession caused a dastardly fucking bastard. He's a fucker indeed. The next day, the Saitama police finally classified the Mari Kano case as a homicide and set up a special center to investigate her abduction and murder. Handwriting experts examined the confession note, but they couldn't establish the author's sex, um, and over half a million police leaflets quoting the confession were delivered to houses in the areas where the girls had lived. The police did, however, correctly identify the snapshot of Mari as one taken with a Mamiya 6x7 camera, like those used by printers. Another clue was perhaps inadequately followed up. They also rightly concluded that the box was the double-walled, corrugated kind often used to ship camera lenses. Then, the typeface on the postcards was determined to have come from a photo typesetter and copied on industrial copiers. Police later refused to comment on whether or not they had launched an investigation of printing shops in the area. And I, If they didn't, that is the only reason I could see why they would refuse to comment on that. <clears throat> because right. that is literally the only outcome that could possibly take place after that. That shit's fucking ridiculous. It's, 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 it's hitting them in the head with a baseball bat that says this comes from a photo shop place. Right, right, right. <clears throat> the Lots of shit. The, the Kanos waited three weeks before the police officially announced that the box contained the remains of their daughter. The box contained almost an entire skeleton of a four or five year old girl and two of the teeth matched perfectly with the x-rays of her dental work. On March 11th, 1989, over seven months after she was declared missing, Mari was laid to rest. Her hands and feet didn't seem to be with the remains, her father said at the funeral. When she gets to heaven, she won't be able to walk or eat. Please return the rest of her remains. But the Kano's nightmare wasn't over. Uh, They returned home from the funeral to find another letter from Yuko Amata. This one labeled simply, Confession. It chronicled the changes Miyazaki had observed in Mari's dead body. This is a quote. Before I knew it, the child's corpse had gone rigid. I wanted to cross her hands over her breast, but they wouldn't budge. Pretty soon, the body gets red spots all over it. Big red spots. Like like the the Hinomaru flag. Or like you'd cover her whole body with red Hanko seals. After a while, the body's covered with stretch marks. It was so rigid before, but now it feels like it's full of water. And it smells. How it smells. Like nothing you've ever smelled in this whole wide world. What the Can you imagine shit? getting that fucking letter the day of your four-year-old daughter's funeral from the person who fucking killed her? Oh, I'd be murdering somebody. <clears throat> insane. Well, if, I'd be if, insane. If you, knew, if you knew who Yuko Amato was, um, in spite of hints offered by this quote-unquote Yuko Amato, uh, the police were unable to pick up Miyazaki's trail. Some observers had interpreted the letters as Miyazaki's gloating at the society that he felt had shunned him. But uh, this professor, Akira Ishii, disagrees. He says none of it had any social meaning for him. It was just like playing a video game, you know, plus one point for causing a sensation. He wasn't trying to get society's recognition. He had a society in his mind of which he was the nucleus. He just wasn't that deep. (laughs) Right. 
Now, by the summer of 1989, Miyazaki was growing a bit restless. He skipped work more often to spend hours sitting cross-legged in his room, editing his precious videotapes. And on the first day of June, he saw girls playing near the Akishima Elementary School and coaxed one of them uh, to take their panties off. As he began to photograph her, some neighbors spotted him and chased him off. Despite this close call, Miyazaki uh, would butcher his fourth victim just five days later. So on June 6th, he left his bungalow for the tennis courts and near uh, that were near Tokyo Bay, but the courts were closed. Uh, so in a nearby park, he found five-year-old Ayako Nomoto playing alone. Casually removing a lens cap from his camera, Miyazaki approached Ayako and asked her to pose for some pictures. He then took several shots until she got used to him, and then he said, let's go take some shots inside the car. So they went to his Langley. Miyazaki parked some 800 meters away as she bounced up and down in the back seat. So he hands her a stick of gum, and the young girl commented on his deformed hands. Well, this enraged Miyazaki, and he put on a pair of vinyl gloves, and I quote, Here's what happens to kids who say things like that. And he grabbed her by the throat. He says, she kicked and kicked, but went limp in four or five minutes. To make sure she was dead, he taped her mouth and tied her hands with vinyl rope, then wrapped the body in a sheet and put it in the trunk of the car. Only this time, he took the body home, stopping at a video shop uh, to rent a camera. The house was dark (laughs) when he parked next to the two-room bungalow. He waited for two hours, then carried the tiny corpse inside where he stripped off the clothes wiped it with a towel, and then he laid it on the low kotatsu table, spread the legs, and taped the vagina apart. He then took photographs and videos while he masturbated. Afterwards, he bound the hands and feet again with nylon cord and covered the body with three sheets. Two days later, the odor of the decomposing... <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, two days later, the odor of the decomposing corpse became unbearable. Although he was right in believing that police were nowhere near identifying him as the little girl murderer, Miyazaki knew he had to dispose of the body. So with a knife and a saw, he hacked off the cadaver's head, hands, and feet uh, to try and hamper identification. Then he hid the torso near the public toilet at uh, Hano's uh, Miyazawa Ko Cemetery at midnight. Four days after the murder, he roasted Ayako's hands in his backyard, ate some of her flesh, and tossed what remained, including the skull, into the woods. But realizing the risk of having her remains so near his home, he then retrieved them, hid them uh, two weeks later in a bag in the storeroom behind his bedroom. Later, he scattered the bones in the woods, then burned the hair, the clothes, and the blood-stained plastic bags and sheets. Five days after the the murder, after police had distributed 10,000 handbills with her description and picture, uh, the little girl's mutilated torso was discovered at the cemetery. Despite his butchery, the remains were quickly identified. The blood type and chest size matched those of Ayako Nomoto, reported missing by her mother at 8.40 p.m. on June 6th. The stomach contents matched Ayako's last meal. In the end, though, Miyazaki's gruesome career was cut short by a citizen, despite the massive police force pitted against him. On Sunday, July 23, 1989, two sisters were playing near a public wash stand in uh, Hachiyoji, 
when a young man stopped his car and got out. You stay here, he told the elder nine-year-old. Uh, let me say that again, because that was really weird. You stay here, he told the elder nine-year-old, <laughs> cajoling the younger child toward a nearby river. <clears throat> but the older sister immediately ran home for her father, who sprinted back, only to find his daughter naked with an also naked young man who was focusing a camera between her legs. He grabbed him and knocked him down. The man twisted away and ran to the swampy edge of the river to escape. Then, incredibly, he had returned to his car, where the Hachiyoji police, who had already been called, apprehended Satomu Miyazaki on the charge of forcing a minor to commit indecent acts. The police clearly believed they had found the serial killer, though. One side of my housewife remembers how house-to-house uh, police questioning in her apartment complex ended abruptly on the day the news broke. Though nothing was officially revealed of the, sus- the suspect's involvement in other crimes. Um, even then, television reports were saying he was the serial killer, she recalled. The news media were so convinced that Miyazaki was the man that they beat the police... That the news media was so convinced that he was the guy that the news media then beat the police to Miyazaki's house where they filmed wow. his room. Um, so, thank God, those are the murders. <sighs> what the shit? Okay, so now I think this is going to be, I, I hate to say the more fun part of the show, but we actually get to somewhat dive into his, uh, his mental state quite a bit. And I, I would really, at this point right now, uh, and I want to hear from Robert first because he ain't said shit in forever. Um, <laughs> I fell asleep. <laughs> did you really? No. <laughs> I'd be so mad at you. Um, no, like, tell me, and I, I want serious, like, I don't want you to be like, oh, this guy was fucking nuts, whatever, kill him. Like, what do you think... Uh, Actually, no. That's stupid and weird because you're not a psychologist. How could you possibly know what this guy may or may not have? No, uh, but I could tell you one thing. If I came across a guy naked with a small child that's naked, he's not getting away from me. I don't care if I have to chase his ass for three miles. I'm going to keep up with his okay, ass. Okay, well, he's I mean, not you can anywhere. say that. You can say that. But there's it's it's chaos, bud. Like, it, it's all just chaos. He wiggled his weird-handed way out of the dude's grasp, you know? He... That the dude was the little girl's father that he sees these naked this fucking picture taken. You don't think he was like, I'm gonna fucking kill this dude. Yeah. But just that just just that there's people out in the world that can do this just makes me even more vigilant over my kids. I mean, I would never say just go do this or just go do that. No. I pick them up, I drop them off, Wait. I'm like, I'm going to be here at this time. I make sure they get on the bus, I make sure they get off the bus. They're, there's never a moment where they're unaccounted so you've, for. So you've, never, so you've never told your kids, if some strange Japanese man comes up with a camera and asks to take pictures of you, I think it's probably better for you to go with him into his car and take the pictures as to not be so embarrassed about them outside the car. No, I've actually trained my kids since they were very small on, on knees nuts and neck those are the three places you go for if someone touches you you either if you can't get to their nuts you go for their neck and punch them in the throat if you can't get to their throat start wailing on their knees because they're going to drop yeah 
Those are that's the three a, areas you go for. That's neck. Yeah, that, that's a good... Uh, Knees, that's a good, nuts, or neck. Uh, you know, advice to the, uh, to the, to the people out there. Because even if you're your small... About the three ends. And someone punch throats, and someone punches you right in your throat, and no matter how big you are, you're going to take a second to go... <laughs> and that's when they fucking oh, yeah. oh, yeah. No, I... I've had a I've had a baby just like flailing happily, chop me in the fucking throat before, and incapacitated mm. for at least two you minutes. Wanted to drop it immediately. Yeah. Oh, I did. Fucking take this. I thing. did. I did. That baby <laughs> totally is dead did. now. It happens sometimes, though. People, God, like it's totally my fault. Did. You know, a jury of my peers allowed me to be free here today to talk to you, to you fine, fine folk. That's right, the jury of your peers. Those peers were also chopped in the throat babies. by babies at one oh. point. <laughs> I was like, they were all babies! But I guess that wouldn't make sense. So, I guess, that yeah, the chopping throat chopped I never, by babies. I never understood that whole peer thing. Like, aren't your peers supposed to be people of your age bracket that hold, like, things in common with you? Like, similar just views like, and, and intelligence and, and like... Yeah, because I, I highly doubt that uh, most juries are of uh, made up of peers. Yeah, but yeah, you know, no, I really don't think that's the case. You know, maybe it means that they would uh, they would make a, a fine, sturdy uh, fishing pier if they were used as wood. Oh, mm-hmm. jury. That's right. Okay. Jury of your peers. <laughs> All right. Ba da ba ba English. Uh, so. Could the police have tracked down Miyazaki sooner? Is a question that many uh, might be asking and have asked. Fuck well, that. Uh, I think the PCA should, it, could have tracked him that quicker. It sounds like they did more than the police did. It, well, they just handed out some flyers. The police were, like, in the shitty woods and shitty riot gear for some reason. I don't know why they had riot cops do it, but anyway. But, uh, until his arrest and subsequent confessions, the police were really pretty far from identifying the murderer despite an intense and costly investigation um it's almost impossible to catch a murderer when there's no relationship between them and the victims a police journalist explained Plus, it just becomes a matter of luck he has some crazy forensic in countermeasures for being an 88 i mean putting on latex gloves wiping down the body you know burning hair sheets everything i mean that's that's crazy to I think mean, of back in 88 that's just common, like, I mean, I would think that's common sense. You're just like, I just don't want these bloody things around me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burn them. And, and like, I don't want to get my, my, you know, I just had my nails done. I'm not going to strangle this little girl barehanded. I mean, what if I, you know, my, I just, it's going to mess my, my beautiful <coughs> new nails up. Mess up my summer sweater. <gasps> my beautiful so. white summer sweater. I should take Fucking. that off before I chop this girl up for sure. For sure. Well, you can see the escalation, but because before he just strangled them, left them out in the woods, and would visit them, you know, periodically doing whatever. I don't want to think about. But then he graduated to actually that bringing the body home, and then move into dissection. So each each time it just got worse and worse. It's like he was chasing. Well, well I I think that well he he only brought the one home because the one where he got stuck, uh, where the car got stuck. He uh, he just left her out in the in the woods because yeah, but he was probably going to bring her home. I do home. think that's, I think that's what ha- what made him bring the fourth one home, was that he's like okay, it's a little too uh, dangerous for me to be doing this outside in the world, you know. Maybe he just he's just learning. Okay, so 
Here's another question. What if the National Police Agency had gotten involved sooner? That's uh, Japan's answer to the FBI, basically. Um, well, as when the FBI moves in, all information would have immediately relayed from local police to a national center, which would have helped everyone. The MPA would also have helped foot the huge fucking bill for the manhunt. But, for some reason, the MPA's sphere of influence dictated that it couldn't get involved until an incident occurred in Tokyo. Um, so, but the, the NPA did set up a missing persons team after Ayako went missing in Tokyo, but uh, according to an NPA source, this does not constitute an investigation. The MPA's real involvement began only... Yeah, and so they only really got involved when Miyazaki started confessing. Because then it constituted a fucking investigation. Right. So, the trial began... So they totally could have found her faster, but... They they could... um, Well... The bureaucracy There were were so many tiny little things that changed it. Because who's to say, even if if, uh, the MPA got involved earlier, that it would have mattered? Right. Because, I mean, really, if the uh, if the, the the people that started out the shit would have said that he was in his mid-20s instead of late 30s, uh, if the guys who misidentified his Langley as a Corolla 2 would have seen that it was a fucking Langley. These are things yeah. that, who knows, maybe could have saved at least a life, you know? Um, so the trial begins on March 30th, 1990. Often talking completely nonsensically... Miyazaki blamed his actions on Ratman, an alter ego who Miyazaki claimed forced him to kill. Uh, he believed that Ratman was telling him he had to kill these little girls to bring his dead grandfather back to life. He spent I forgot time, all about that twist. He spent time during the trial drawing Ratman in cartoon form. <clears throat> he describes Rat his serial murders Man. as an act of benevolence. There was, there was another child killer uh, named a, uh, uh, Kairu Kobayashi who would describe himself as the next Susomo Miyazaki. Well, when Miyazaki oh, wow. heard this, he said, I won't allow him to call himself the second Susomo Miyazaki when he hasn't even undergone a psychiatric examination. What the fuck? That's, that's him protecting his brand. What an ego. And it's insane. You're not as crazy as me. So, so Miyazaki's father refused to hire a lawyer for his son, uh, saying it wouldn't be fair to the victims, which, uh, finally, yay for a Miyazaki. Um, Satomu's father, uh, although later committed suicide by jumping from a bridge shortly after his son's conviction. He was completely Um, dishonored all the way off that and if bridge. Had that a, is a fucking up, samurai dude. sword, you know. <clears throat> he, then maybe. He probably would have gutted himself. Yeah. yeah. That's fucked up. So <sighs> the uh the, the public defender's office looked uh pretty long and hard uh finding two lawyers, uh Junji Suzuki and uh Kaiji Iwakura who were willing to take the case. Suzuki agreed because of his vehement opposition to the death penalty. Uh, the defense team's case revolved around the claim that Miyazaki had only limited sense of responsibility for his crimes, um, that he's unable to choose between right and wrong. Uh, I quote, 
We want to build enough of a case for the judge to sentence Miyazaki to life in prison, said Suzuki. The court's first action was to assign a team of six psychology professors from Kiyo University to examine Miyazaki. And when they did, they filed a report saying that Miyazaki was fully capable of taking responsibility for his actions. But his attorney, Suzuki, disagrees. The more we see of him, the more we think he lives in a different world, he said. We felt the report didn't establish Miyazaki's mental capabilities beyond reasonable doubt, so we asked for a second evaluation. Fortunately, the judge agreed. So then a team of <clears throat> a team of three Tokyo University professors begin another evaluation of Miyazaki. Um, his lawyer says, it's very unusual for a team to evaluate a defendant. Usually, a single psychologist is used. Um, this appeal for another uh, psychological exam would be the defense team's last appeal. Uh, the prosecution can appeal for another evaluation if it disagrees with the report, but the defense cannot. I, I don't fucking know why. That sounds shitty, though. It does. Um, there are three possible outcomes to the psychological evaluation. If the second report agrees that Miyazaki's mentally incompetent, he'll be sent to a mental institution where... If precedent is followed, he would be released in 12 or 13 years. However, what? public prosecutors... However... Oh, I would be getting admitted to that mental hospital and taking a little justice if that was one of my kids that that happened to. Robert is just all about vigilanteism. And, then and just, fuck Jesse Ventura. And yeah, he's all about <laughs> that's what Rob is all about. Fuck Jesse Ventura. Oh, you messed with one of my kids. I don't, I don't know. You get to see the true crazy come out. True crazy. Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good without seeing. Uh, I, you know what? I would be more comfortable seeing Chris's true depravity than Robert's true crazy. I just let you have a little <laughs> glimpse. Just a little glimpse of the crazy. I don't show the full thing. But you mess with one of my kids, you're going to well, see it all. you can't show the full thing. You'll blind people. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they got uh, laws against that. His public prosecutor. <laughs> son of a bitch. Public prosecutors who have over 750 items of physical evidence have no intention of letting Miyazaki loose. They will surely petition the court for a third testing and a fourth until, in theory, Miyazaki is as dead as his fucking victims are. The Fuck second possibility guy. of this... The result Suzuki seeks is that Miyazaki will be judged to have a limited sense of responsibility for his crimes. He may not have an incapacitating personality disorder such as paranoia or schizophrenia, but I think he may be borderline, he said. We hope the psychological team agrees. This result would earn Miyazaki a life sentence without parole. Professor Ishii explains the same psychological outcome, expects the same psychological outcome but believes Miyazaki's life sentence will, in effect, last about 12 to 15 years. It's impossible to say whether he will be still dangerous by then, says Ishii. However, Shut keeping him in prison for the rest of his life raises other questions of human rights. There is a third possible outcome, and that is that Miyazaki's deemed mentally competent enough to take full responsibility for his crimes. Well, in this case, the judge would have no choice but to condemn him to death. Although Suzuki can't appeal this psychological evaluation he can and absolutely would appeal a death sentence because even his lawyers like i don't fucking like this guy but i don't like the death penalty either like i'm here to make sure that this guy just spends the rest of his fucking life in prison like 
he's not there to tr- to try to get him into a mental institution. Anything like yeah, that. we're not. His own lawyer is there. It's <laughs> like we think he's shitty too, and can he sit at a different table maybe, and maybe <laughs> draw his little rat man somewhere else because we're trying to work. This fucking yeah. rat man. This so, uh, <clears throat> nobody involved in the case doubts that Tsutomu Miyazaki is a very, very disturbed young man. Huge Dr. Oda. Piece of shit is what he meant to say. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This doctor uh, lists uh, just a bunch of uh, great obsessions like uh, pedophilia, necrophilia, sadism, fetishism, and cannibalism. And then uh, Professor Ishii believes Miyazaki was a pedophile first and a murderer second. He says uh, killing was an extension of his interest in little girls, a way of basically possessing them. Um, but is Miyazaki insane? Um, that this what one they should says, be uh, asking is how his mom squeezed a turd that size out of her ass. And why? Um, it was easy. She oh, was man, allowed it was easy to do to, such cause, a thing. Because he didn't have wrists, so, like, his hands couldn't get in the way and stuff. Like, he came out, like, you know when you go down those super, super tall fucking uh, water slides at water parks? And they're like, yeah, Peachy, keep your legs and arms together, you know? Oh, like, right. Like, that's how he came out. So I even though see. he was a huge piece of shit, he, he, he knew how to, how to, you know, do the whole aerodynamic, you know, just slip and slide deal. So, so he didn't scrape like a, like a undigested chunk of peanut or anything he just kind of zip right right like he didn't come out tumbling because he had caught on something he was just a a whoop you know like the opposite of how Rob came out (laughs) (laughs) I came into this world kicking and screaming covered in someone else's blood and I can go out that way too either way yeah, oh, I was I was really hope you I was really really hoping you were gonna say doing a cannonball, but that's <laughs> yeah. too. I was hoping he was gonna say covered in shit like we were just talking about. <laughs> oh, of so this guy uh, uh, Shunsuke uh, Sirazawa says I don't see how Miyazaki could be judged responsible for his actions. He shows no signs of being aware of the gravity of his crimes. He has no sense of guilt. Even the judge seems to agree that his first psychological testing. Uh, was very inadequate, which is why second testing was ordered. But, although he strongly believes that Miyazaki shouldn't be held criminally responsible for his deeds, Sirozawa stresses that, and I quote, it still would not do to let him loose in society. That motherfucker's still crazy. (laughs) Miyazaki's lawyer echoes this sentiment. Uh, The defense team will do its best to see that he gets life, said his own lawyer. I bet they do. The Tokyo District Court judges him still aware of the magnitude and consequences of his crimes and therefore completely accountable. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, now we go to, um... He... Um, hold on a sec. I am a looking for something. Hey man, don't be putting uh, song words in my mouth. Jason is a. I'm sorry. I, I, he smokes monkey. I didn't mean that, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, Jesus Christ, man. I'm sorry. God damn you. Okay, He's so a uh, since 
he was found uh, accountable, uh, that means death penalty. Because they uh, didn't see nothing wrong with him, I guess. So Off with his head. I... I figured that uh, since I found some some decent little uh, news articles, like from uh, BBC News and shit, that I would kind of go that route telling you this part of the story. So Mm. on June 28, 2001, BBC News uh, titled, uh, Japan Serial Killer Death Sentence Upheld. A court in Japan has ruled that a serial killer who murdered four young girls and ate some of their remains must be executed. Lawyers had argued on appeal that Tsutomu Miyazaki should not be hanged because he was mentally ill and was not responsible for his own actions. But the High Court in Tokyo ruled that though suffering from a personality disorder, Miyazaki was able to distinguish from right and wrong at the time of his crimes. His lawyers say they now plan to appeal to Japan's Supreme Court. That was in 2001. So, November 24, 2005, another retrial sought for serial child killer. During closing arguments later. Tuesday, uh, from the, wait, because all this started in 1991, we're now in 2005, 14 years later, still trying uh, to decide what to do with this. Oh, guy. the co- the court thing. Yeah, he's been on death row that long. Yeah, but people are. Um, during closing arguments Tuesday, at the appellate trial of Sutomi Miyazaki was sentenced to death by district and high courts for the murder of four girls in Tokyo and Saitama Prefecture between 1988 and 1989. The defense counsel called for a retrial at a high court and the re-examination of his mental competence at the time of the crimes. The prosecutors demanded the appeal be rejected. The Supreme Court's number three petty bench, chaired by Tokiyasu Fujita, will hand down a ruling next year. So this Pet- is in 2005. Heavy ass bench. During closing remarks, the defense and prosecutors. Or Fujita. F- Fujita, he said. <laughs> Fujita. Um, they're all, they're all delicious. Uh, during closing remarks, the defense and prosecutors ex- exchanged heated words over the defendant, the defendant's mental state. Defense lawyer Maiko Seguri gave a detailed briefing on the medication Miyazaki, who is now 43 years old, received at the Tokyo Detention Center. Um, she said that after an appeal was filed in 2001, inquiries she made into the center showed that starting in 2002. The center increased the quantity of a psychotropic agent administered to Miyazaki to control auditory hallucinations. <clears throat> so they give him a psychotropic to control his hallucinations. That's nuts. Um, huh. And during, during an examination in 2002, drugs. the right. best, uh, Miyazaki told in 2002 he had told a doctor at a center that he could hear a voice saying someone would tear his nails out. And... Uh, According to uh, Tagasuri, uh, Miyazaki said that the voice was spoken by someone with a mysterious strength who was trying to attack him. She Mm. then went on to explain that what he hears has changed from single words to sentences. His condition has not improved with more medication. It's clear that he has gradually become psychopathic since the time he committed the crimes. So, uh, Kanasuku Ichi... Iuchi, sorry, of the Supreme Public Prosecutor's Office said that Miyazaki had committed four crimes without leaving direct evidence. There was no evidence that he was mentally ill when he killed the girls, he said, uh, because he willingly did exactly what Robert said. He burned shit. He got rid of evidence. So he knew that he needed to do that. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, who rides so around with, with Tokyo District Court and plastic sheeting in their cars? Uh, and towels, you know, like a towel and a, and a latex glove that you can fuck while you're a truck driver. <laughs> like, that would be weird, right? Don't forget the lube and the glove. It might be a... It might come in handy. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, man. Chris jacking off jokes. Come in handy. Better. <laughs> and the Tokyo District Court basically accepted the charges against Miyazaki after the first trial. The rest of the 15 years of legal battles have focused purely on his mental competence. Results of psychological tests conducted during the first trial were divided. Um, an extremely distorted personality, mental illness centering on multiple personality disorder, or potential integration disorder syndrome. The potential integration disorder? What the fuck is that? What is that? That is when you could potentially integrate, but maybe not, you know? But in a disorderly fashion? The fuck? Yeah, like you'd have to walk like all weird. And it's just sometimes it's not worth it. But these results had shown that uh, Miyazaki had a complicated me- mental state, to say the least. But the district court accepted the first result, determining Miyazaki was competent. So the Tokyo High Court also upheld the district court's determination. The Supreme Court, where hearings are held only for arguments on constitutional and other major matters, also didn't change the two lower court's conclusions. And at a press conference after closing arguments, Suguri said the situation was not favorable for Miyazaki. If the death, death, if the death sentence is upheld, an appeal is necessary, Suguri said. The murders shocked society as he spent parts... Ah, start that over. The murders shocked society as he sent parts of their remains and letters to the victims' families. According to a source, as of August 2004, Miyazaki has lost 10 kilograms over two years and weighed 58 kilograms. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but but good, I guess. I'm glad. It sounds like they're saying it because it's a bad thing. Um, 10 kilograms? It's like 23 pounds. It's nothing. Fuck yeah. How much is 58 kilograms? Is he not pudgy anymore? Like is he not 50 something pleasantly pounds. plump? Like, well, 58 kilograms. Each, a kilogram is two and a half pounds. Uh, two and a quarter so pounds. Like a hundred, Sorry, a hundred and sixteen plus a quarter. It's amazing yeah. how uh, you lost a hundred pounds, but you were a fat fuck in the first place. Can you imagine? Whatever. Uh, Isn't it amazing how Chris can just break out them grams and kilograms just like that? Yeah, that is kind of weird, Chris. How do you do that? How is it that you're so well prepared to talk about grams and kilograms, Chris? Um, you know what? It, it doesn't it's matter. From my time in Mexico, fifty-eight kilograms is one hundred twenty-seven point eight six pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. fun. Uh, so, uh, in 2005, this says, last month in a letter to, uh, Hiroyuki Shinoda, who was an editor-in-chief at Tsukaru Monthly Magazine, with whom Miyazaki had corresponded for 10 years, uh, Miyazaki had said, I think I'll be acquitted. I don't intend to apologize to the bereaved families. What? So, Miyazaki requests books from people because he's in prison. And the books he requests are out-of-print comic books and articles about himself. He sometimes asks, asks people who write him for copies of stories he likes so that he can keep them. <sighs> hmm. So, he's still alive? Okay, so the final bit of um, 
of our tail here um, is uh, the uh, wait why do I have a bunch of that like that Maybe we um, should like write to the people that are still alive that we do episodes on, and you know, just to let them and, know and that tell them that we viciously make fun of them. Yeah, yeah, just to let them know that they've been on another riveting episode of. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> that, that and fuck you, by the way. <laughs> what do you mean, and fuck me? No, not you, <laughs> but them. I'm, I'm oh, okay. Them. So, my last page of notes is titled. Execution day! Yay! Oh, shit. So this okay, is from. So he's off the uh, list then. This is from Tokyo Today, uh, dated June seventeenth, two thousand eight. Serial child killer, Sutomo Miyazaki, plus two others executed. So. Plus two others. Dateline from Tokyo. Sutomo <laughs> Miyazaki. The death row inmate convicted of murdering four young girls in 1988 and 1989 in Tokyo and Saitama Prefecture was executed Tuesday, the Justice Ministry said. Miyazaki, 45, was among the three death row inmates hanged the same day. With their execution, the number of inmates executed under the orders of Justice Minister Kunio Hatoyama, who has been in the post since last August, came to 13. Hatayama said, after careful deliberation, we executed three inmates today. So, Miyazaki was detained at the Tokyo Detention House uh, and was executed two years and four months after the Supreme Court finalized his death sentence in February of 2006, which ended trials of him that had lasted 16 years. Jesus. On January 17, 2006, the top court ruled that an extreme character disorder could be found in Miyazaki, but that he was completely mentally competent at the time of the crime, denying he had any mental disorder that would make him un unable to bear criminal responsibility. The top court said Miyazaki abducted and killed the four girls in Tokyo and neighboring Saitama Prefecture to satisfy his own sexual desire and appetite to own videotapes with footage of corpses. He confessed to having killed four girls aged between four and seven in Tokyo and its suburbs and eating some of the remains of two of them. Miyazaki mutilated the bodies of the victims, slept next to the corpses, and drank their blood. His, what? He sent letters to the media under a woman's name claiming responsibility for the crimes and sent a box containing the remains of a slaughtered girl to her family. <clears throat> In a letter to Kyoto News, just before the Supreme Court ruling, Miyazaki maintained his innocence and said he thought he did a good thing. During the nearly two-decade judicial process, Miyazaki never uttered a word of remorse to the victims and their families. He cryptically said that a rat man, a cartoonish image of which he drew, committed the crimes. He also distanced himself from his family. When his father was unable to come to terms with what his son had done, he jumped into a river to his death in 94. Miyazaki wrote to a publisher, I feel refreshed. But court-appointed psychiatrists agreed with defense lawyers that Miyazaki was, in fact, mentally ill. One finding was that Miyazaki suffered from a multiple personality disorder, while a second said that he was schizophrenic. Uh, Hirozaku Hasegawa, a clinical psychologist who saw Miyazaki in 2006, said the killer believed his crimes would resurrect his grandfather, who died three months before the grandson committed his first crime in 88. What he told me lastly was, please tell the world that I'm a gentle man. The two other, just this is just to add on, just 
as a little background to uh, Japanese uh, executions. The two other executed inmates are Shinji, uh, Shinji Mutsada, who was 37, and Yoshio Yamasaki, who was 73. Mutsuda was convicted Seven, of killing three. the yeah. <laughs> Mutsuda was convicted of killing the 32-year-old operator and 33-year-old manager of a sex service business at a Tokyo apartment in 95, stealing some 200,000 yen and drawing 40 million yen from the bank account of the operator in conspiracy with his twin brother. Uh, Yamasaki was convicted of killing a 49-year-old woman in Miyagi Prefecture in 85 and a 48-year-old man in Kagawa Prefecture in 90 in conspiracy with acquaintances of his. Amnesty International Japan criticized the fast pace of the executions under Hatoyama, saying in a statement, the latest executions were carried out only two months after the previous ones. That indicates Japan is following a path of mass executions. With a 137 countries having, uh, having legally or effectively terminated capital punishment, Japan is going against the international trend of abolishing the death penalty, the human, right, the human rights group said. So, following Tuesday's execution, the number of inmates on death row now stands at 102. Chief Cabinet Secretary Nobutaka Mashimura suggested at a separate news conference that the acceleration of execution reflects the recent increase in death sentences and the number of death row inmates, only not their willingness to kill them. Right. And so ends... That makes sense. The... Um... The saga that is uh, the Rat Man. I kind of actually um, left out the whole uh, otaku bit of him because when they, when the police finally went into his uh, his apartment, they found it was something crazy like almost sixty thousand uh, videotapes. Um, a lot were a lot were anime. Some were, uh, some were pornographic anime, uh, although most were uh, live-action horror and slasher-type flicks. You know, hmm. like uh, it said that his, his, uh, his, like his, his crown jewel, his pride and joy, his collection, what were these movies uh, called? Uh, uh, what, Guinea Pig, and I looked up Guinea Pig, uh, the movies on, uh, on, on Google. Uh, you might not want to. They are uh, just old, hyper-realistic uh, torture films. Like the first movie, simply entitled Guinea Pig, uh, is about four guys um, uh, very uh, graphically torturing a girl to death. The end. Huh. So, so his, his pride and joy was, was owning the first five Guinea Pig <laughs> movies. Oh uh, and people say that he modeled uh, at least one of the murders on uh, the second movie. <clears throat> so, they also had people, like, because uh, I still haven't decided which which picture I'm going to use for this week, because um, there's a few good ones of him. There really are. Um, so, there's this famous picture of his bedroom, where you can see it's basically uh, maybe, like, three foot thick from wall to beginning of uh, VHS tapes. Oh, and wow. it's stacked almost ceiling high. Jeez. <clears throat> um, but there are some people that believe that uh, they may have added a lot of that shit in there like just to make it 
uh, more demonizing. And like I said, he did have uh, some anime and, and shit like that, but it it paled in comparison to the horror and slasher shit. So, hmm. like, uh, it the 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 whole otaku part of the otaku killer uh, was more a national sentiment toward that type of person back in the late 80s, early 90s in Japan and really didn't have a whole lot to do with who he was and what he did and why. Uh, So much so that he is rarely even referred to as the Otaku Killer anymore. He's now uh, more more likely you'll hear him referred to as the uh, the little girl murderer and uh, which is a much more apt description for him for sure but um, shit fucktide I think that this this was a pretty good show we did here fellas we've had celebration fucking explosions behind us the entire time because the time. those assholes doing that know what we're doing and how good we are at it first of, of course all. they must second of all we were able See? to announce our very first real uh our very first goddamn real guest of all time on this show uh third of all that's gonna be pretty fun th- this was probably not the right episode for me to uh announce the fact that i will be having a child but i did say to myself that I've wanted to do an episode about uh, Sutomu for a long time, and as uh, the the arriving of my my own child gets nearer, I wanted to get him out of the way before I had a kid. Cause... Oh no! Don't tell me that. There's there's a few of them on the list that are. Oh, I know, I know, but pretty heinous. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Heinous, annally heinous, even. Um, exactly. So I, you know, I got to I got to tell you guys about that as well. Also, uh, since uh, it turned out to be a two-parter, hey, guess what, guys? I got the 40th episode <laughs> of the show that we do, and you assholes didn't. So you just fucking deal with it and screw. And screw. Okay, can I lighten up uh, the lighten up on the end and give a positive note to this? Um. Well, do you want to do it now or do you want to do it I at the end? That's completely up to you. I've got something better than well, a dad you know joke. What? I've got something better than a dad joke. Oh well, but but better? I crave the dad jokes. Yes. My go, brother go, even go. laughed his ass off at that last one. I loved it. Nah. All right. I didn't tell it like it was my joke, but still. Okay. So a travel traveling salesman believes that his wife is cheating on him. He goes out of town three or four days every week, and he just it's driving him nuts. He wholeheartedly believes that. So what he does is he figures I'm going to get a talking parrot to spy on my wife <laughs> while I'm out of town. So he goes to the pet store and starts looking around and finds a talking parrot. It's five hundred dollars. The guy's like, God, 500 bucks? I don't know. That's, that's awful expensive. Why, why is this bird $500? Salesman says, well, it's a perfect bird. It's got two wings, two feet, speaks over 500 words. It's just, you know, that's what we're charging. He goes, ah, if I can't find nothing better, I'll come back. Travels a little bit more, goes into another pet store. Sees talking parrot, 250 bucks. He goes, all right, let me go check this bird out. 
Guy goes, why is this one only 250 and the other one's 500? Salesman says, well, you know, he speaks over 500 words. He's got two inks. He's just missing a leg. You know, so he's kind of defective, so we got to cut the price on him. Guy's like, well, that's still a little too expensive for me. So if I don't find anything else, I'll, you know, I'll come back to it. So he's walking down the street. This guy should just buy a tape recorder. He sees in the window, talking parrot, $50. Guy's like, I got to see a $50 talking parrot. So goes in, asks the salesman, why is this bird only $50? He says, well, he's got no legs. Guy goes, he's got no legs. He goes, yeah, he's got this real long dick that he wraps around the perch, and that's how he stands. <laughs> Sorry, coughing. And the guy's like, well, 50 bucks, shit. And, and it talks. Guy goes, yeah, it talks perfectly, you know. Says over 500 words, blah, blah, blah. So he brings it home, sets the parrot in the corner, says, all right, I'm going out of town. I want you to tell me when I get back everything that my wife does. Parrot's like, okay. Gives you a big dick bird. So guy leaves three or four days, comes back. Wife meets him at the door. He just pushes her out of the way, goes right to the parrot and said, all right, what did my wife do when I was gone? Parrot said, well, as soon as you left, this guy comes over and I mean, him and your wife, they were going at it. I mean, they were on the couch, they were on the kitchen table, and the salesman's like, okay, yeah, what else, what else? Parrot says, I don't know. My dick got hard, I fell over, hit my head, and... <laughs> I thought that she was going to have sex with the bird, honestly. <laughs> I thought that... I thought that's what was going to happen. You know, I've been um, telling that joke no, for 20 she, uh, years, she apparently, and I still cannot get through it without laughing. It's pretty bad. That's, uh... Hmm, I'm still waiting for bad. the end. That was the his, end. No, that his, was the end. The, the parrot's yeah, dick got okay. hard, he fell over, hit his head, and he was out. No, no, uh -uh, no, Robert, the one thing that we will not do on this show ever is explain a fucking joke. Well, you know, <laughs> I thought I was going to no, land I, at that I, one, I but that apparently... Part. Nope. Mm, ah, nope. Chris will get it later. He'll laugh and he will message us with dog penis. <laughs> I totally get it already. I just uh, he said and so I was waiting for an and. And on that note, <laughs> there's your fucking and. You've just listened to a another fortieth episode of You Know Hear No Speak No. The UFOs, the conspiracies. The never-ending jokes, apparently, and awful, awful murders. And me. All right, if you want a dad joke. And fireworks. Next time and you're out at the fireworks. restaurant. No, I don't want a dad joke. And you don't eat all no, of son your... Son of a bitch, you only get one. No. Nope. Only get one. Okay. You save that one for next week. Oh. I mean it. I swear to God, I will hit you in the face with my open hand. <laughs> Oh, you're going to keep the pink hands strong. Uh, <laughs> it's getting hot in Top here, guys. down. Three. Sorry, kids. You Two. guys are cool and all, but... Uh, One. One. Bye-bye. Good night. Sweet dreams. Watch your kids. Peace. Peace.